Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Tuesday, November 22nd. We'll hear from San Diegans about their reactions to the shooting at an LGBT club in Colorado. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. This is the second week of a strike by academic workers at all 10 UC campuses. Here at UCSD, nearly 8,000 union members are striking for pay raises and better working conditions. Alex Wenzel is a Ph.D. student at UCSD and a member of the newly formed Union Student Researchers United. He said the strike is having an impact on the campus. The teaching assistants, uh, a large number of them, have walked off the job, so uh, grades are beginning to back up, discussion sections are not being taught, and many uh, professors also in solidarity are canceling their lectures. Wenzel said there have been tentative agreements reached on some of the issues. He said union members will stay out on the picket lines until they reach a fair contract the members can agree on. San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher opened a campaign account for a state Senate run in 2024. In a statement to KPBS, he said that when Tony Atkins steps down, the region will lose one of its most effective advocates in the legislature. He said he's considering running to help working Californians get higher wages, affordable health care, and first-class public schools. He plans to make a decision and announcement soon. Four more soccer games will be played today in the World Cup. One of those is Mexico versus Poland. It starts at 8 this morning. You can live stream the game or watch it at Shakespeare Pub in Mission Hills or Bluefoot Bar and Lounge in North Park. For a list of more watch parties, visit kpbs.org slash World Cup. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. San Diego's LGBTQ community is in mourning after Saturday's deadly shooting at a nightclub in Colorado Springs. In Hillcrest, the pride flag and monument had become a shrine to the five killed at Club Q. Francisco Medavog went there to gather his thoughts. We're always watching our back. I feel safe in my city. I just don't feel safe out of this neighborhood. Ben Nichols, the executive director of the Hillcrest Business Association, says lately there have even been tensions in Hillcrest, known as a haven for the LGBT community, with protesters showing up to some of their events. That context creates this nervousness. It just sets people on edge. The San Diego Police Department tells KPBS News they will be doing extra patrols in the Hillcrest area. Fernanda Lopez is the executive director of San Diego Pride. They joined KPBS Midday Edition with more reaction to the shooting. Here's M.G. Perez. 
Well, here we are again, Fernando. It was just a few months ago I spoke with you on this program about a militant group threatening and harassing people at an LGBTQ pride event in Idaho. This latest attack happened at what was supposed to be a safe space. How did we get here? None of us are surprised, I think, is the very first reaction. We have seen over the last several years our LGBT community increasingly being under threat, driven by anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans political rhetoric. And in particular, our family-friendly events have been targeted, our drag events have been targeted. And even when you and I spoke last, there were issues happening like this all across the country in Georgia and California and Idaho, Texas, Indiana, Florida, and of course, We just saw a few weeks ago, one of our family-friendly youth events, LGBT youth events, Boobash, was targeted by these same sorts of groups. And so it's not surprising to our community, the rise in violence and hate speech, it has dire consequences as we've obviously seen. So many people enjoy socializing at local gay bars. What do you say to them after an attack like this? LGBT bars uh, have been a safe space and a sanctuary for our community for so long. And so the fear and the violation that we all feel is so palpable and and hurtful. And it it just feels like an absolute violation. And so to my community, I feel you. I understand. But we're going to get through this. We can't let fear and hate win. And, you know, we're just going to keep showing up and showing up and staying in this fight. And we're going to fight for those inclusive space, safe spaces. But it's not about necessarily us continuing to confront fear head on. It's also about the work of our allies, that it's time that our allies step up to the forefront and stop this hateful, divisive political rhetoric that obviously has dire consequences. I think, you know, we see corporations continuing to invest in anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans legislators. And it's time for those corporations to be held accountable. Media outlets who continue to uplift the voices of extreme right-wing individuals who and organizations who are the same folks who are pushing these anti-abortion bans, who are pushing anti-immigrant sentiment and xenophobia, the same folks who are fighting against uh, critical race theory and just trying to teach about the history of our country. There is so much on the line and our fight is the same. And so if we're going to continue to have these safe spaces, if women are going to be able to continue to be able to uh, have safe uh, access to abortion, if we're going to be able to maintain a functioning multi-ethnic democracy, There is so much more work that we need to do together to confront this. It's so much bigger than just one issue. Our listeners should know that Sunday was Trans Remembrance Day. Tell us about that. What is the significance of the event? Trans Day of Remembrance is a moment to honor uh, and remember the all too frequently ignored members of our community or our trans community. The folks who are most at risk of hate and violence and death in the LGBT community is our trans community. And at the intersection of the most vulnerable is our Black trans women who are killed at disproportionate rates. And so Day of Remembrance is an opportunity for us to honor their names, their lives, their legacy, and to recommit ourselves to the work and the road ahead to make sure that we're ending this type of hate and violence. And so for this to happen in the eve of that and the wake, and just it, it was just so additionally painful to have that occur. And it's also important to know that this is also happening at a year when we've had hundreds of pieces of anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans pieces of legislation entered into 
legislative bodies all across the country. Every single year, 2020, 2021, and 2022 has set new records for anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ pieces of legislation. And, and that has real harm. It, it impacts the way we talk about our uh, each other at our classrooms, in our churches, in our dinner tables. And the way that this anti-LGBTQ hate has escalated has obviously led to record numbers of year, record numbers of trans individuals being killed every single year in 2020 and 2021. That was Fernando Lopez with San Diego Pride, speaking with KPBS reporter M.G. Perez. Coming up, a former motel in Escondido will serve as a healing center for the homeless following a hospital visit. We'll have that story and more just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A trip to the hospital for someone experiencing homelessness may get them off the street long enough to be treated. But when discharge time comes, homeless people often end up back on the streets. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us a solution to that problem is on the way in Escondido. When John Goolsby was getting discharged from the VA hospital, he was homeless and had nowhere to go. <laughs> where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Um, can they... Can, can, is there anybody that can actually help me? Those were the thoughts running through his head. He had been offered help before, but he lost trust. It seemed, in some cases, it seemed like there's not really any help out there for single males. Um, you know, it's, it's, and it, it's just the time. And it, man, it is hundreds, if not thousands of people out there that's in a similar situation. And um, it's just heartbreaking. Interfaith Community Services offered Goolsby recuperative care straight from the hospital, so he gave it a chance. Very kind, caring people that um, kind of didn't push me, didn't force me to do anything, just basically they kind of guided me and directed me to help, my, you know, with the resources to help myself. Um, and um, I've, uh, over the few months there, I've actually recovered, got my confidence back. A caseworker helped Goolsby start from scratch and work towards a brighter future. What's next for me? Um, looking for an apartment right now, studio, uh, probably, because um, I don't need that much space. And being that I've dumped all the material, I don't necessarily, I don't feel like I need it. Um, so I'll have like the basics. Um, 
and um, I want to go back to school, um, educate myself. I want to get back into the community and give back to help others. Interfaith's Hawthorne Resource Center is where Goolsby was able to recover and regain control of his life. It's a 32-bed facility, but Interfaith has much bigger plans, with a 106-bed care center scheduled to open in a couple of months, in what used to be a motel. Greg Angel is the CEO of Interfaith Community Services. They've been working on the project for two years. Um, so much has gone into this project that um, it just took time to bring a, a 1970s era budget motel to 2022 residential care facility standards. The property will offer a space where homeless people can heal following a hospital visit. Where we'll help them recover from the medical procedure or if it was a psychiatric hospitalization, we'll help them get stabilized with their mental health and then we'll help them actually secure a stable home to move out of here into. But healing is only part of the mission. Here, we have registered nurses, we have licensed vocational nurses, social workers, and case managers to help an individual heal and recover, and then uh, identify the strategy and complete the strategies to end their homelessness. Angel says the alternative to this space is discharging homeless people back onto the streets or to a shelter that may not be equipped to follow a plan of care. Once the new Abraham and Lillian Turk Center for Recuperative Care is open, the old Hawthorne facility will get a new mission to help homeless families. So it's more and more common that we have families with children coming to us who are living in their cars, who are finding refuge on our streets. And so this center will be a place of uh, short-term housing and support to help those families get on their feet, to um, support those kids and those adults and get them into homes of their own. Both centers are expected to open by January. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. While San Diego soccer fans are fired up about the World Cup, they're also excited to see Luca De La Torre play with the U.S. men's team on the world's biggest stage. De La Torre was born and raised in San Diego. He grew up playing soccer for several club teams here, including the San Diego Nomads. His childhood coach, Derek Armstrong, still remembers him fondly. He was playing at a little elementary school in La Jolla for Del Mar. He was 12 years old, playing on the right wing, and I wanted him after that. As soon as I seen him, I thought we need to get him. After about three seasons with the Nomads, De La Torre went pro after being scouted by Fulham FC in England at 15. The U.S. men's team will face England this Friday after tying with Wales yesterday. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more.
mcasd.org.